You're listening to The Pillar Podcast, a podcast for the body of Christ at Pillar Church. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It has been several weeks since we've been... Uh, here with you guys. We hope everybody had a great Christmas and a great start to your year. My name is Tyler, and as always, I'm your host. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Clint Clifton is back today on the episode. It's been since the the intro episode that we've had him on, so we're really looking forward to having Clint on and telling you about uh, a couple of things we have coming up. Uh, so the episode today is, is going to be a little bit of an addendum uh, for something that Colby talked about. Uh, last church service at, at Pillar Dumfries. So we're going to be talking about the new building, the new building project and some of the background there and some of the way ahead and, and the thoughts that uh, Clinton Colby and the eldership team have uh, for how we're going to use this building for the greater glory of God and, and his kingdom here on earth. Um, we're really excited about this. I personally am really excited about this. Uh, this is something I've been looking forward to since I started attending Pillar Dumfries. Uh, my family and I have been here for a lot longer than we initially anticipated. And it's just been a blessing to see um, just everything sort of work out for for us, as as you'll find out about in this episode. Um, so that said, hope you enjoy. Um, listen to what they have to say. Think about the future of of the project, and uh, and maybe what part you can play in it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is Colby Garman. I am with Clint Clifton. Hello. Uh, you've been on, you were just on the intro episode and we've done a bunch of episodes. I know. Since I've then. Been, I'm a faithful listener. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's been fun to do a season of podcasts for church. Yeah, it really has been. I, I don't know if people, I was telling somebody the other day, I think it was Tyler. Um, uh, I know you shouted out Tyler recently, yeah. a lot, but shout him out again. He's doing a great job. Um, I was telling him that I, I don't know if I like it so much because I love the people associated with it or in the story, but it yeah. feels entertaining and riveting to me. Like when I'm, yeah. when I'm listening to the stories, I feel excited by what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I, it'd be interesting to me to see if like somebody who's not aware of what we're doing thinks it's interesting. So yeah. anyway. Yeah. I mean, sort of maybe in the way that I find my kids interesting, you know, and maybe other kids less interesting right. at times. That's probably something to that. And that's fine. I mean, it's fine for us yeah. to like our yeah. own stuff. Well, right? hey, we're a family. We are. Yeah. Um, you know, today we've got what I think is some really riveting content to talk wow. about. Wow. Um, last night was is kind of historic. Not kind of historic. Like if, if Pillar Church is a universe. It's like, it's got a holiday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like a holiday. Yeah. yeah. If we're yeah. a country, this is a holiday for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, in the Dumfries town council meeting, right. a building development project we've been working on for, I mean, you could argue 12 years in this version, at least the last at. three to four years, yeah. um, was approved by our town council. Right. And, um, there's a couple of things that are notable about that. Mm -hmm. Um, first of all, the, uh, the fact that six months ago, if you would have asked uh, me if that project was going to be approved, I would have said, mm, no, I don't think so. This thing is dead in the water. In fact, I might've said this thing's dead. I'm ready to quit. 
this is why me and you work as a team, yeah. because I would have said, no, we're hundred percent going to get there. <laughs> yeah. But I would have thought we were going to get there by might. And right. you decided we were going to get there by kindness. And I, I say that won't work, Colby. <laughs> right. Well, I wasn't sure that we would get there by kindness. I just knew I wanted to be kind. <laughs> well, yeah, you're a principled person and, and I'm a pragmatic person. And so what you did is you said, I'd rather go down at a failing, but, yeah. but acting in a way that would honor the Lord. And I was like, man, we've brought it this far. Let's hold our ground and let's be tough. Like, let's get there. So the way we handled it wasn't my intuition. Uh, I, I want to jump down that well for a second. Let's do it. Um, but before, just describe what the project is in like 30 seconds to someone who doesn't know what it okay. is. Okay. Well, it's one of the most unique church projects that I've ever heard of. Um, so in, in essence, um, a church is building a commercial uh, multi-use space. Now we're building it on uh, a parcel of ground that used to be a church owned yeah, and there was a church there. It church. was an R1 zoning for a church. And um, several years ago, uh, the, the zoning changed at our request right. um, to a, a mixed use kind of zoning that allowed for uh, commercial properties to be present there and for uh, more dense housing because yeah. yeah, there wasn't, it wasn't permitted there before. So that allowed uh, us to come up with a developer with a plan that basically uh, has three primary functions, well, maybe four. arguably four primary yeah. functions. One is 125 unit affordable housing community for 62 and a half and older, yeah. as we learned last night, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, folks to live in at, at an affordable rate, less yeah. or a market market rate housing, but a certain number of them set aside for fixed income families. Right. And then um, the second function of the property is to be a, a space for childcare, um, really like a daycare center um, to operate out of the first floor of an adjacent building across the parking lot. Yeah. The second and third floor of that same building will be a um, community arts center yeah. um, during the week. Um, that's the way it's zoned. Um, but it also, we also have a special use permit to hold religious services there. Yeah. So our church will own the art center, the daycare center, 100% and will meet in the building that we own that is primarily an art center. Yeah. And then we have this, uh, 25% ownership stake in the, the housing development. Yeah. Yeah. Great description. I mean, it's, uh, it's unique. Um, and we've been working on that project with this organization called Community Housing Initiative yeah. for three or four years. And um, six months ago, as I said, we, we thought it was dead in the water. Dead in the water. And uh, after a, a pretty painful period of time and, and really trying to make it work. Yeah. And um, I guess, you know, what is significant to you about the fact that we made it to this point? Well, I mean, there's a couple layers to the answer, answer that question. One thing that's significant is the way in which we got here. Yeah. Uh, again, we re refer, yeah. we referenced this a few minutes ago, but we got here at your leadership, um, by patient kindness and endurance, you know, we, we endured through and, and, um, uh, kind of took the low seat at every 
juncture, I think, is the way I, I see our demeanor in that, which has been a mark of your leadership at Pillar since you've been here. Um, um, and so the way we got here was unique for me because I, I don't think that gets people places generally. <laughs> right. So I generally, that's not my demeanor. My, I'm, I'm the one that like goes in and roughs it up, you know, in order to get things done is kind of the way I think about it generally. And, um, you, so the, which is why in many ways, like you, you've been a gift to the church. I mean, I'm just, I know that about myself and I, I'm just thankful that the Lord brought you here. Cause I think my way probably wouldn't have prevailed in this situation, you know? Well, it, and there's been a lot of give and take and back and forth on, on those sort of things. I think, you know, for us and you embraced it as much as I did, yeah. you know, we, as we talked through things, um, the truth is there, there was a town official who wasn't exactly treating us well. Right. And we had to make a decision about whether we were going to fight or whether we were going to wait on the Lord. I mean, yeah. there's, at, at, that's really what it came down to. Yeah. And, um, it felt like we were in a position where, we could advocate and try to have conversations, but we also had the danger of ruining relationships in the town That's and right. being seen as um, petty or difficult. And, you know, I felt really unsure, to be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, was, were we right? Were, was he right? Were we just, you know, were we just perceiving that he was being difficult because we were trying to do something that really didn't fit? And, and I felt really unsure and I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt in hmm. some sense. Interesting. So, I, I think... I never doubted if we were right. And if he was wrong, I was hundred yeah. percent confident about that. Um, I was unsure about like 75% of me said, go in there, ruffle feathers, yeah. make people mad, put articles in the paper, yep. make a stink about it in order to get, get where we need to get. Um, and 25% of me was like, maybe we should just be kind and, and gentle and wait, you yeah. know, and you were maybe the opposite. You, yeah. There was a part of you that thought we should, we you should know, fight this. Yeah. Like but, I'm not, I don't want to just be a pushover. Yeah. But and he, he, advocate for the church. I felt a responsibility to advocate for the church. Yeah. And I think the only reason in this scenario that I felt the need to defer to you is because it was the godlier route. It was clearly the godlier yeah. route. <laughs> and so I felt, I felt, even though it's not my intuition, I've got another elder in this conversation with me who's saying he thinks we should go this way. And if, if I'm measuring like, which is the more Jesus like approach, his is probably, you know, so I think I didn't push my way there because I felt like, you know what, you know, you know, if, if it's just me alone making this decision, then I'm probably would have, would have been, would have pushed, yeah. but it wasn't, you know? And so, um, you know, in six months, you know, that turned around and it was mainly because of a shift in staff, but the even that shift in staff feels providential. It, it didn't, well, no, it didn't, I, I do want to, that's yeah, kind of yeah. what I want to highlight. Like I was confident that if the Lord wanted us to do it, he would do something. Yes. That's what I was confident it, about. It was the, it's the, and this is a, a pastoral message for anybody listening who, you know, in the darkest day when it seems like, you know, it can never work out and that you cannot imagine a path ahead. Like the Lord can create a whole new scene, a whole new environment. Right. And that's exactly what, that's happened. what happened within we, a snap. We set up a meeting with a council member to say, okay, we're, we're at the end of our rope here. And we when we sat do. down with that council member, they said, Hey, by the way, this person doesn't work for us anymore. Yeah. And it was as if like all of a sudden we're in a new, a new level of the game, like a new place, you know, yeah. the rules are all different and everything changed. And so, yeah. um, that's, that's great. So let me, let me just say too, before we go on too far, you asked about the question. I said, there's several layers to that answer. Yeah. Another layer to that answer is how we, how we got here is that, um, on a spiritual level, 
I always believed I, I have always believed in and continue to to this day that that will be the place that pillar lives. Yeah. You know, ultimately yeah. somewhat because when the church first started, uh, the church that was there burned down and right. dis- disbanded. And there was there were the. Yeah. uh, Without going into it too deep, there were some things that transpired in my personal life and in my life, but I felt like an assurance from the Lord came to me that like our church will be rooted in this community long-term. I shouldn't give up on the church because I was feeling very discouraged about the church as a whole at that point. And I wasn't sure if I should continue on or go on and move on and do something else. Maybe I wasn't good at church planting. And uh, I I felt assuredness and that the church would be rooted here and that that's the place it would be rooted. And, and I'm not, I know it sounds a little mystical and a little maybe charismatic, but for me, it was, yeah, it was, it was the communication I needed from the (laughs) Lord and the Lord brought it about in a unique way for me, um, that I gave me confidence to pick up my head and keep my hand on the plow, so to speak, and keep working toward and, and kind of know that ultimately this is all going to work out because if not all that that I experienced, it uh, wouldn't make sense at all. And I just was yeah. sure that that's what the Lord was doing. So I, yeah. so I never have doubted that this would happen there, you know? Yeah. And for me, I think my trust in God's sovereignty, like if, if there's anything like, I don't talk about it a lot, but it's like one of the strongest things of my theology. Yeah, like for sure. I, I'm, I'm just like, if, if this is going to happen, one, the Lord's not going to let us give up on it. Right. And he's going to do something to make it possible. And, uh, and you know, he can change the game in a minute. And this is probably something important for people just to learn like spiritually and pastorally is that, you know, things that we can't change, you know, in all of our effort, you know, he can just, like you said, change the game. And there you are six months later and the town council members are bragging on your church thanking you for what you do and giving you an unanimous approval. And that felt, I mean, honestly, that was pretty gratifying to hear last night and exciting it was. because that's the witness we wanted to preserve yeah. through the process. And so it was, it felt like a sort of vindication of just trusting the Lord. Yeah. And again, I mean, I don't know who's listening to this and who it matters for, but the, for all of you out there who are leading churches by yourself and you're the kind of primary decision maker, man, this is, this is why it's so good to be mm-hmm. in a true eldership, like in a true situation where, where there's a sense of deference and like, there's a, I think there's a sense between you and me and the other elders who serve the church that the collective decision is godlier and better always Always. than our individual intuitions and to be a bit suspect of our into our individual intuitions, but very bold when we all agree, you know? And um, so it's just, it's just great to be a part of. Yeah. So we now have a project that for all intents and purposes is available to us. There's certainly details and things that yeah. have to be worked out and a lot to, uh, a lot to kind of discuss and you've described the shape of it, but like everything else at pillar, um, if you, if you drill down on the details of this project, what you find is multiplication in church planting. Okay. So let me answer I see where you're going. Let me answer it like this. Like what if, like just imagine if this were the, this were a scenario for a church. What if there were a church in Northern Virginia, like in this place where people are coming and going all the time near the right, like a mile from the headquarters of the U.S. Marine Corps that was absolutely focused, completely dedicated to multiplying churches all over the world. Like they were going to equip church planters and scatter them all over the world. And 
they they knew that that scattering of church planters was going to cost a lot of money. So they decided, like, let's do it on the backs of U.S. service members because those service members get paid already to get scattered all over the world. And then on top of that, let's enter into some kind of joint venture that produces revenue. Um, and so instead of paying for a building, a building pays for us. Yeah. And we get a check every month that we use to pour gasoline on the multiplication of pastoral leaders, the raising up of new ministry leaders and the deployment of those ministry leaders scattered about all over the place. So what if we were like a, uh, like in the way that John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins is a training, you know, hospital, resident hospital. What if we were a place where pastors were born and developed and they got just shipped all over the place, all over the world. Some of them as full-time U.S. service members, some of them as, you know, full-time vocational church planning pastors, some of them in the nation, some of them in the United States, and they just got to go in teams that would almost ensure their success and then their multiplication. Uh, Wouldn't that be amazing? Like if we could create something like that and what if on that space, in addition to being revenue, it was actually on a a, a business that gave us proximity to families that needed ministry. Yeah. And they were like on our parking lot, in our grounds. I mean, yeah. that'd be just, and then, I mean, you just keep going and going and going, what ifs, you know, this is like a perfect scenario. But you just set up the vision yeah. for why we are doing what we're doing. And, and many of the details of the project really kind of revolve around that sense of vision for being that kind of multiplying church. Mm-hmm. And, um, And that can be seen in specific ways in which the property is designed or ways in which we've accepted constraints that are on the property. Because I think, (laughs) you know, I think if people looked at what we're building, there there are some constraints in terms of the size of church that can meet on there. When we were when we were getting ready to design the building, um, I remember sitting down with a design person and thinking, well, I don't want to be one of those churches that builds the building too big. And they are then. Uh, they become sort of enslaved to the yeah. size of facility and the size that it takes to keep that building going, even if they're doing good ministry in their community, um, but that we can multiply from. And I always just imagine building a modest sized building where, you know, if the church was one service, it might be three to 350 people. If the church was two services, uh, met in two services, it might be able to be six to 800 roughly uh, on that facility. And that way it can kind of in an area that's so transient like ours, it can grow and expand and it's not as pressured, you know, in a situation like that as it is if we were to sort of aim for something of a larger facility. I mean, because a lot of the questions are like, how big a facility do you build in a growing community that where the church seems to thrive and grow year over year? You can never build a big enough one. And so in one sense, we had to make some decisions like, no, actually, we think like right now, the building probably is designed to see like to put 350 to 380 chairs. Yeah, I mean, which is larger than we put up now by 100, you know, um, in one service. Yeah. And then you got children, you know, children's space downstairs and, and all of that and some office space. And it's a modest sized building for a church that's you know, going to meet there, but we've been growing and we're probably going to continue to grow. And, you know, somebody even stated, Hey, you might grow, grow the building at least in one service by the time we're ready to move into it. I think it's, why should we build it anyway? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably a question I should ask you. 
I mean, that, you, you posed the question, but like, you're probably better to answer that. But I mean, I can, I can make a stab at it and then toss it back to you. But uh, yeah. yeah, we should build it anyway, because the because the the whole of the scenario creates the, the scenario is such that we get to receive revenue. That's not true everywhere we go. We can't like go buy a piece of land on the right. other side of town and b- put up a million dollar building or three million or five million dollar building yeah. and get revenue off of it. We right. can right here. Yeah. Um, the land is offered to us for free because yeah, we of got the, this piece of land for yeah, nothing for, right. for because of the scenario we get to. Uh, it is in the bullseye of our. I mean, if you were to draw a target on our community on a map of where we'd want to be um it would be in the bullseye yeah i mean it would it it would absolutely be in the bullseye so there's there's uh and that's that's like two or three of ten great reasons why this project works really good but in terms of the size thing like you speak to that yeah um you know i i think you know for me i could imagine our church being 300 and roughly that as we see people move out and we plant and staying at that size. And I think the building gives us a chance to grow to six to 800 if we went to two services, which is a really nice level of flexibility because our kingdom impact really has not been tied to how big can we grow. And I just want people to hear that. I think what I really want the members who are listening to this to hear, like we want the church to grow. I, 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 I hope the church will continue to grow in fruitfulness locally, but that may result in our need to accept a constraint on the size of Pillar Church of Dumfries and continue to plant like Pillar Church of Stafford, Pillar Church of Lorton, Pillar Church of Manassas, Pillar, you know, in, in here, um, I, I, I want to see us do that. I'd love to see us repeat what we did in Stafford over and over again and accept that there are going to be limitations on our size that, you know, it doesn't mean that the kingdom work stops and we can't continue to impact as we create that space. And we experience a lot of turnover, a lot of new opportunity to minister to a new group of people every year. And, um, you know, for this next season of who knows, 10 years or whatever, I think this facility allows us to have something that serves our needs while also keeping us focused on the multiplying mission. Yeah. So there's never been a year in the 16 years of our church that we've not grown. Um, you know, each year we've grown, uh, and there's never been a year that we haven't planted. Um, and so the, the idea that's out there floating around is that we'll plant and that will cause us not to grow or we'll lose people or go backwards. Well, we, I mean, we, we haven't, haven't gone that. backwards yet. And, um, and we haven't seen explosive growth by any means, but we've seen steady growth. And, um, even go back to the early stages of the church, it's all always been like slow and steady wins, wins the race, so to speak. Um, so the church has been growing, I think as our capacity to minister to people has been growing and and develop leaders and that kind of stuff. I like, we have great, better leaders now than we had 10 years ago and, and we'll continue to do that. So, I mean, I just think, I think the Lord has patiently and slowly given us maturity, like that sort of slow lasting growth, which is what I really want, but it's also, we've also been able to plant churches. So the idea, the idea that, you know, we have that we're going to go plant churches in other places and that's going to decrease the size of our church or stabilize the size of our church. Isn't really, I mean, it definitely helps, but it's not going to, what it does mean is that if we're constrained in terms of how large we can grow locally by number, we're not constrained in how big of an impact on the kingdom of God we can oh, have. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's really what I want people to get. Like, cause the question of how big is it, should a church be? 
should it just grow in size unendingly? Yeah. Is not all that important if you understand the global mission of the gospel. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. So this is, this has been floated around on social media a couple of times. We've talked about this even before, but you know, what's better church of a thousand or 10 churches of a hundred, you know, right. do you have an answer to that Colby? Well, I mean, that's easy. 10 churches of a hundred. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, that's not to say a church of a thousand is bad. No. Yeah. If there's a church that you're, you're listening, you've been a part of a church of a thousand. Great. They're probably doing yeah. amazing stuff, but the, the multiplying effect of 10 churches yeah. of a hundred, their locale, their ability to minister to their particular and unique neighborhoods, the ratios. Yeah. The likelihood that those church will plant churches uh, yes. is higher. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, um, the, proximity between like, like the teacher student ratio, so to speak, you yeah. know, of a pastor parishioner ratio, um, all those things are, are, are much better. And, uh, a small congregation is nimble. And, you know, I mean, it's important to realize that large, large congregations, which, you know, um, I, the average congregation size in North America is 65. It's it's yeah. low. So, um, it, so, you know, in, in, Mega churches have only really been a thing like popularly since the 1960s or 1950s, yeah. maybe late 1950s. And so we're what we think of as a large church is really like an abnormally large church, you right. know, a, a norm, normative size church is 65, 70, 80. Yeah. And so we're a large church. And so, right. I mean, most churches around the world are in that in that smaller range. And so that's important for us to remember, too. Yeah. And we've seen we've observed churches that have been vibrant and growing and ongoing that have some sort of size constraint that they've accepted locally. And then it's impacted their uh, influence, you know, beyond their own building, which is what we're, we've always been after. Let's talk about one of those, but before we do that, like the, um, the size is when, when a church starts to get to a size constraint, well, what's the normal play? Like just think all the Baptist churches, you know, yeah, building fund and new facility. Yeah. I mean, I would even say many churches I see before they're even close to that number, they're starting to think about how to, how to uh, build new facilities. And they'll go into millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of debt in order to, to do that. They'll leverage the future of their future congregation that doesn't yet even exist, even as a smaller congregation uh, to do that. And that's, 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 that's something we've wanted to avoid. Oh man, that yeah. seems like for me sitting where I sit right now as a person who planted a church 16 years ago and has watched it grow, that just seems crazy. Yeah. I mean, it just seems absolutely crazy. Uh, and to, to tie up all of our uh, funds into something like right. that and, and to make a promise for the future of our congregation, our congregation feels so fragile. It feels like it, yeah. <laughs> you know, it could like half of them are going to move. This yeah. Year, right? It feels or so fragile. Like, like I can't make a promise for next week, much less yeah. 30 years from now in terms of mortgage. So that's one thing. Let's talk about Capitol Hill Baptist though, because uh, that's been a church that has, you know, paradigm shifted for me in my mind. Yeah, they accepted a size constraint because they they're committed theologically. We, we don't, we aren't there with them on a one service model. Yeah. Right. right. And they can roughly have seven to 800 people. And I think in their, yeah, in their right. uh, church and, um, the response they've had to that hasn't been to try to find a location to move out of the city. One, lots of churches do that, move further out of the city and build a larger building and grow a larger uh, ministry that way. They've decided to stay put, stay that number of people and to populate the rest of the region. And now I would say they've got a national and global influence of of church planting and church revitalization that um, grew out of that just because they were preparing leaders and sending them. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. 
And it's amazing. It is amazing. They have, they have, um, put their money where their mouth is in terms of they've not multi-sided. They've not, they've really, what they've done is put their energy into developing leaders. So they have an internship that they run twice a year, six interns a year, pastoral interns that are getting ready to go out and do pastoral ministry. And so they've done six a semester. So they do two semesters a year. So they've got 12 pastoral people leaving their congregation to go in the over a 20 year period of time. Um, that has, it's crazy. The impact. I mean, you oh, hardly yeah. can go anywhere without yeah. finding somebody who was Impacted part of that internship. That. Yeah. yeah. Uh, including me. I, yeah. I was, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, incredible, incredible, the impact it's had. And so in many ways, as we look at our own size and go, at some point you decide to accept a constraint and focus, everybody does. Right. You know, uh, you know, you can keep building bigger buildings. Yeah. Um, but the truth is at some point it's okay to say, this facility is going to serve us for who knows how long. Um, but, uh, we can accept what God does there and, and just make an impact on the mission Mm -hmm. by doing a really good job of helping our people be discipled and grow and accept the mission. We want people to leave and go and send them. And we want more and more of that. Um, and so we think something like this will facilitate that and provide a stability for the church to, we use a lot of energy setting up, tearing down, doing a yeah, lot of things. And we can sure. imagine this actually changing that dynamic to shifting that energy to developing and growing people and right. multiplying the ministry locally. And as we do that and run into, hey, we, we can't keep ministering, we start new things. Yeah. And, and the excitement of the ability to start new churches in our region, in our community, because we're, we're sort of bursting at the seams. That just seems like a really great place to be at yeah. if, if God would allow that to be the case. Yeah, and honestly, if, if, um, if we sort of have our, our way with how I envision it being like, if you're fast forward five years in our mind, what, what's yeah. a day in the life of our midweek look like in our church? It's, you know, like there's a frenzy of activity going on. There's yeah. something, a community event happening in the facility. There's a, um, to your point from last night's meeting, there's a, a reading uh, <laughs> where somebody from the, the 62 and older community is reading a story to little children in the daycare center. There is um, there is a rehearsal happening for something. There's uh, church staff and interns meeting up in the offices. There's courses um, training people on multiple levels, discipleship. And there's kids teaching. playing on the playground. Right. There's uh, a bus going in and out, taking uh, folks from the uh, community center to, or from the um, housing development to the grocery store. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much happening all over the place. And there, there's going to be a ton of like set up, tear down, moving stuff around, but it's going to be all you know, not for the sake of, you know, us going in, setting up chairs for ourselves, tearing down chairs for ourselves. Right. It's going to be because there's got a frenzy of activity happening all around us. And I, I hope we're at a point where we have to get good at logistics because of the amount of activity that's happening in, sure. in a, what would be a relatively small space. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so I don't think we're building a small, small space. I it's just think we're, so accepted. I mean, it's going to be 20, 18, 20,000 square yeah, feet no, be. before it's said and done. Yeah. Um, and not we, to mention that we'll have a 125 unit building across the way with that has multiple, its own amenities that will be available to us. Amenities that will be available yeah. to us. And we, I mean, I'm, I'm loving the idea of the bleed over between these two things where, right. you know, there could be, you know, a game night facilitated by somebody at the church 
happening in the apartment complex that people could come down to. There could be a, a lunch happening at the church or at the community arts center that people from the uh, Herbert Quantico Creek could come in and eat a meal. Uh, yeah. There's just so many ways that those two things can interact. The, the last thing before we kind of wrap things up would just be to talk about some of the financial benefits. We don't talk about money a lot, right. you know, a pillar. And uh, but, you know, part of this is it. And, and we'll measure later whether we've hit this aspiration, <laughs> but, um, but part of what we've really looked to do is not leverage financially, you know, so much of our money right. in terms of building costs. And, you know, if it, if it all works out, what we hope it looks like is, you know, we have, uh, you know, 7,000 ish dollars come in from the children, you know, the daycare center, yeah. the early childhood center, monthly. um, on a monthly basis, helping to pay the bill. Uh, on the building, we have um, anywhere, it could end up being anywhere from three to 10,000 a month, roughly uh, from the apartment building. That's some of the range and, yeah. and predictions. Uh, we think it'll fall in that range as, as it gets. Yeah, it'll up start more on the three side and, and make its way up as, side, as yeah. things happen. And we'll have an ownership stake in the value of the property. Right. Um, and the, you know, that's going to um, bring in money. And then we'll have, like we do, budgeted money that goes towards paying for whatever that facility is. And we think between those, we're going to be able to potentially, and that's been our goal, is to go from kind of the costs we've had now to a similar cost level being devoted to it, but have a facility and all of that stuff going on, plus probably some revenue over and above that. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you're a very uh, fiscally conservative estimator. I'm a very fiscally liberal estimator, I think, yeah. when we, uh, so I think that I, the odds are we wind up in, in, you know, not paying for a facility and, and earning some off of facility and those monies we were dedicated to facility. Maybe in the beginning we're paying some toward it, but I yeah. think ultimately that's going to be a space that's going to be used a lot. We added the cultural center, you know, art center component that I think will, pay for itself, you know, yeah. and then some, so yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that that will become monetized and it, you know, we're, we're still have in front of us trying to work with our lawyers to figure out how a church even does that legally. And, right. and we're, we're committed to doing that in a way that's, you know, obviously good. And so there's a lot of work to be done still, but it's exciting to think about the crossroads of all of these different things. And, um, and we, we've been thinking too, I, I think it's important for our members to understand we've been thinking in silos, uh, like right. in terms of management, you right. know, we Colby has no desire to manage an apartment complex and I have no right. desire to manage a cultural arts center, yeah. nor do we want any staff that does that. Um, so we've been working into all of these financial, you know, categories, uh, management of all of these things as well. Yeah. So we imagine an outfit, an outside outfit, managing the daycare center an outside outfit, managing the Harvard Quantico yeah. Creek. So, so that our pastors are pastoring the yes. church. <laughs> okay. So we wake up in the morning and we got one job to do, you know, and, that, and I will say we've come to this point and it's felt like the ability for me to stay focused on pastoring the church. while yeah. a lot of this came to fruition yeah. through a lot of other effort through our partners yeah. and everything. It's been pretty amazing. Yeah. And, uh, I think, I think what I would like to say to our folks is, um, this is, has been a, faith journey, you know, for us that we believe will set us up for the future that we've been uh, really attempting to create from a multiplying training center and local growth. And, um, it, but nothing's ever a guarantee. And we right. know that, and we've, that's been true all along the way. And so as we, uh, 
as we go into this next season, let's not put all of our hopes in the building, right. but let's be excited. Let's yeah. rejoice. No, let's I'm... pray. Let's ask God to, um, to do something better than even what we had anticipated with that facility and uh, just continue to walk towards it. That'd be amazing. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Kobe. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, we look forward to uh, continuing this conversation. When we see you, if you've got questions and want to talk more about the exciting developments, uh, grab one of our elders, talk to Clint and I on a Sunday. Uh, it's been great to be with you today. We'll see you next time. So we're all really excited about this. Um, and I hope that you're more excited after listening to today's episode. And, and Colby did a good job of, of maybe tempering some of our, our enthusiasm, but also, you know, reminding us that we can be excited about this and about um, the prospects of what God will do with this opportunity. And that in mind, I want to leave you with this. Uh, and this is from First Corinthians. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder and another builds on it. But each one must be careful how he builds on it for no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and spread the word on social media and in real life. We hope everyone is having a wonderful new year so far. Let's continue to move forward and serve the Lord together as his coworkers. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm.